we stay in things longer than we need to because we're clinging on to a version of success or a version of happiness that once felt good to us, but it's no longer who we are. Welcome to the new Let It Out studio, if you will. I have moved, so I've recorded this podcast honestly all over the globe because I've been traveling so much and I I spent a long chunk in Michigan when I lived in Detroit when I started the podcast and then I lived in New York for a very long time and then I was traveling this year and then there was a pandemic and next thing I knew, bada bing, bada boom, (laughs) I ended up moving to LA which is where I am now. And I was subleasing this entire time. And the podcast has been, maybe you have noticed, maybe you didn't, maybe you're new here. Welcome. If you're new, my name is Katie Dalebout and I have been hosting this podcast, Let It Out, since 2013. It's my favorite thing I've ever done. I talk for a little bit here at the beginning and then I have a conversation with someone creative and inspiring like today's guest, Naomi Madu, who is the founder of The Lifestyle Edit. And this conversation was recorded a couple months ago this summer and it's one of my favorite conversations that I've had maybe ever and I'm so excited for you to hear it but like I said before the interview portion the main attraction of this podcast which is not about me it's about the guest I say hello and give a little bit of an update on what's going on with me where I am in the world in in this case the podcast went on a little bit of a impromptu break because I was moving into a new apartment and and really starting fresh in Los Angeles where I'm living now I'm in the same neighborhood that I've been in for months and I'm really grateful and excited and happy to be here so If you are curious about my new place, it's kind of like this big empty loft right now. It used to be an old school and I owe all of this to previous podcast guest who became a dear friend of mine, Christy Nguyen. We really bonded like during this pandemic and I, you know, we've kept in touch since she did the podcast years ago, maybe like 2016, 2017. And, you know, I would see her from time to time when I came to LA. And then when I knew after Australia that I wanted to miss the winter in New York and just stay in California for a couple months before I went back, I told Christine that I was coming and, you know, she knew anywhere that I could sublet for a while or stay. And turns out she did. And that ended up being (laughs) where I was for the majority of the early pandemic and I ended up meeting my friends really through her and ended up staying here and then finding this apartment because of her. So really, she's just the best person that I know, (laughs) at least right now. And I I just hung up FaceTiming with her and was telling her I was procrastinating recording this intro. Um, But anyway, if you don't already watch her YouTube videos and consume her work, she's a brilliant ceramic. I've talked about her on this podcast recently as well. She's a brilliant ceramicist, um, DJ, 
photographer, videographer, creative lady um, who does so many things. And I would consider a real life artist of a person, which speaking of, if you are listening to this the day it comes out, Today starts Creative Underdogs for people like me who admire people like Christine who do a lot of things with ease and grace and poise. I tend to be the opposite where I I also try to do a lot of things, but I get frustrated quite easily and overwhelmed quite easily and feel like I'm juggling a lot of things and like a master of none um, where I'm doing a bunch, but not really all that well. And I'm trying to shift that. And I think to do that, I need a lot of accountability and support and friendship. And so I'm making this first time creative incubator called Creative Underdogs, which is going to be a support group and a, what what else am I even calling it? I'm, I'm bringing in my guests, my um, people who have done the podcast, but who are my real life friends who I'm calling my guests, my, they will be guests, I guess, but they are what I call life artists. Christine, I'm sure will be a guest, but this round, it's going to be my friend, Angie Choi and Carolina and my friend Meredith, who is a, who's the collage artist, who's done a lot of the art that you've seen in our kits. And she's this brilliant bassist and a touring musician and uh, my friend Simi, who you guys know, and and we're going to have these different, what we're calling kind of TED Talks about creativity and office hours where we'll work together and talk about our creative projects and blocks and feeling stuck. And, you know, it's support group mixed with connection, mixed with learning about a different topic from feng shui to movement and creativity. And there will be a theme every month and journaling prompts and a time for us to get together and work together. If you want to join us, I would love to have you. We start today. If you're listening to this the day it comes out and if you're listening to it a few days later, let me know. You can probably still join. And yeah, honestly, it will probably be like a rolling sort of situation if you want to come in at any time, but we're starting today. Okay, this week's episode is a really special one. I love talking to Naomi. I met her through my friend Simi and we talk about so many different things. I, I just want to get right into it, but we talk about change and growth and our thoughts and our beliefs and shifting low self-worth. And it was a really illuminating conversation for me and I'm excited for you to hear it. So I'll speak to you at the end. Thank you for being here and listening. It means so much and I'm really grateful. I'm constantly looking for the best things to eat <laughs> to, you know, maintain feeling my best. And I'm really happy that I found Orgain. It's been a real positive, you know, game changer, I'll say. Orgain has all kinds of products to fit your active lifestyle. They have nutrition shakes, protein powders, meal powders, bars. They even have almond milk. Orgain products are food-based and full of organic vitamins and minerals that taste delicious and provide maximum nutrition. I've been using their protein powder and I gave it to my old roommates and they really love it too. And he's a runner and he puts it in his like shakes and smoothies and seems to work well for him too. So I think you would really like it. I love the taste of it and I've noticed that it digests really well for me, which is a big 
plus and Orgain promises to never use any unnecessary fillers like artificial ingredients, preservatives, or GMOs. And they're all about good, clean ingredients in their products. And plus Orgain ships right to your door. So you can even set up getting reoccurring deliveries to your favorite products all delivered for free. Thank you so much, Orgain. I finally found the best products to help keep me healthy and maximize my nutrition. And right now you can save 20% off your first order. Plus when you subscribe, you can save even more. So to try Orgain, go to tryorgain.com slash let it out. That's T-R-Y-O-R-G-A-I-N dot com slash let it out for 20% off your first order plus extra savings when you subscribe try orgain.com slash let it out thank you so much for doing this naomi i'm so honored to have you and my best friend simi speaks so highly of you and turned me on to you and your work and ever since then i've been really looking forward to having you come on the show. So thanks for being here. Oh my goodness. The honor is all mine. I am so excited to have this conversation. So truly, thank you so much for having me, Katie. Mm. This is so nice. I'm having my coffee with you. I want to go back. We usually talk about on the show where you're from, what you were like as a kid and look at that a little bit. And I know you mentioned that you grew up in London. Yes. What was your childhood like? So I am London, Londoner, born and raised. I am the youngest of three daughters. My um, mother's brother has three boys. So it was kind of the three of the six of us kind of grew up together. And cool. we, we lived in Southeast London, part of a Sarafkin family. My mum came to the UK when she was about 11 years old. We are South African, so so much of our the journey of my family was very much shaped by that. Um, my family left South Africa when my mum was two years old because of everything that was going on in apartheid at the time. They actually moved to West Africa. They lived in Ghana. They lived in Nigeria. And at the time, it was really difficult in the region that they were in for women to be and young girls to be educated at the same rate, way that boys were. So my grandfather sent my mum to boarding school in the UK to try and give her the best opportunity that he could. He was a single parent to four kids, sent his daughter to the UK, and then the rest of my family followed suit. So that context is important because it's kind of shaped a lot of my upbringing. So very much <laughs> kind of the true for diasporic communities that have kind of come from that kind of background. So it was very much growing up about being educated, taking advantage of opportunities. And I think that was a blessing in many ways, but that also contributed to this insane amount of pressure that I felt. And I'm only unpacking it now in my 30s of like this constant um, need to achieve. Yeah. And that's interesting. Did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up in that environment? I know that you worked in magazines in London before doing what you're doing now. Was that your what you wanted to study when you got a bit older? Yeah. So I 
always, always wanted to work in publishing. I was like huge magazine junkie. It's funny, like I never understood those people that were like, even when by the time they went to college, it was like, oh, I don't really know. I don't really know what I wanted to do. I always knew. And it was hard because again, I come from this very, very, this family that was all about academics. And so I really wanted to go and study fashion journalism and do all of that kind of stuff. And that just wasn't really an option. So I ended up going to study law, which, you know, when it was happening, it, it, I, 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 it just felt like a pointless exercise because I knew that I never wanted to practice law. But again, now looking back <laughs> with my family compassionately, I can completely understand their whole thing was that, you know, especially being a black person in the world, education is one thing that people can't take away from you. And especially when it comes to the more softer skills, humanities, it's so vague that it's, it's, can be hard to, if there's already so many challenges that are happening <laughs> that we're up against, at least in their mind, if it's something that's really concrete, that's tangible, nobody can take that away from you. So yeah, so I studied law. So I, I never wanted to practice, but I actually, I loved it. I found, I loved, I thrived on the kind of intellectual challenge, but knew that I was never going to practice. So I would literally be in a lecture and have like a suitcase because I was about to like run to the Eurostar to go to Paris for Paris Fashion Week. I was never truly invested. And yeah, two weeks after I graduated, I landed my first job at a newspaper as a fashion editor. And I was became the youngest, one of the youngest editors of um, a national newspaper in the UK. Wow. Wow. That's fascinating and unsurprising. I'm sure you know my best friend, Simi, who I mentioned, who connected me with you, such a similar trajectory with the <laughs> law. Wow. So you have this like huge career success that must have felt like a dream from what you wanted to do. Then how do you, how was that time for you? What did you learn from working in magazines at that age? It was a baptism of fire in many ways. And I wouldn't change it for the world. I learned so much, you know, I, yeah, just completely thrown in, in the deep end, at, you know, 21 years old and, you know, traveling across the world, covering stories, interviewing incredible people, having to turn things around on a tight, tight turnaround. It was exciting. And it still blows my mind just thinking about some of the things that I was doing. Yeah. At 21 years old, but I, it got to a point where it's so funny when you look back, you're like, everything kind of makes sense now in hindsight. I was looking around and I was looking at my bosses. I was looking at around at my colleagues and I was just like, is this it? People were just like morbidly unhappy. The women there that had children, it was like, you know, at least with me, I have no kids. Like you're here until what time? It was just exhausting. It was exhausting. And as much as I loved the subject matter, I didn't love it enough for it to cost me in the way that it was costing me. In the beginning, you know, hearing, being told in the morning that you're going to be on a flight to Dubai in, you know, 
in the afternoon was like super exciting. But as I started to really think about what I wanted my life to look like more long term, it just, it just, it just wasn't working anymore. And just the constant pressure of having to over deliver, being drastically underpaid for the amount of investment <laughs> time that I was invested, it just like I didn't love the subject matter enough that that would be the thing that would keep me there. I was with friendships. It was, I was so drained from the week that I was that person who was like, I hope you cancel before I do. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you just get home and you're just a complete zombie. It was just, I remember I came to New York for one of my best friend's weddings and the first night she was like, Naomi, I literally had to keep looking at your tummy to make sure that you were still breathing. Like, dude, you pretty much slept for like a whole day. And it was like, that was the first opportunity that my body had to rest. And it was just like shutdown mode. And I think that's the thing sometimes is that we stay in things longer than we need to because we're clinging on to a version of success or a version of happiness that once felt good to us, but it's no longer who we are. And so I definitely had this, that sliding doors moment. And, you know, it was scary because I felt like, especially even with my family, when I was saying that I'm going to go and do this whole fashion thing, it was like, what? You could, you can go and practice law. You can do all of that. And then they saw my face in a newspaper every day. And it was like, yeah. oh, we don't quite get it. But like, <laughs> um, <Cool>. you know, <laughs> we know this is cool. This is yeah. great. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, so this thing that now feels really prestigious and sexy, like, no, that doesn't feel aligned for me anymore. But the wonderful thing is that my mom could see that me being me, it didn't matter what I was going to turn my hand to. I was always going to be okay. I was always going to fully commit and go all in. So everyone was a lot more supportive that time around. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's also the case with personal things in terms of like the reason why you linger in something longer being the uncertainty of the next thing as well as what you were saying of, you know, this is known, this is, it might not be exactly what I wanted, but I've done a lot of projection on what the idea of what this was. And I wanted it for so long and an old version of myself really loved it. And so transitions can be tricky mentally or are tricky mentally. Do you have any advice or thoughts on them? Because I feel like we're kind of in a collective transition now. Yeah. And again, this is something that's taken me so long to truly embody on a, a deeper level is that we really have to rise to the level of our desires rather than defaulting to the level of our security and our safety. Creating a life that feels truly ours is all about being in integrity with the desire, allowing the desire to exist. I think very often we don't even give ourselves the opportunity to envisage what a rich and full life would look like, right? It's like because we're so indoctrinated with the idea that we have to follow somebody else's blueprint. We have to do the, we have to keep doing the motions. And I think that's partly why this period of pause is triggering for so many people because it's forcing them to have to look and think, do I really want to go? back to business as usual. And 
the sad thing is that they've never really asked themselves these questions. They've never really asked, like, are these goals my own? Is this the life that I've created? Am I actually just an autopilot and I'm doing the motion? Have I actually created that? And some of those questions, they're big questions and they can be really confronting. And especially as, you know, you've started to plant roots, you're a little bit older, it can feel scary to ask yourself some of those questions because I think sometimes you're like, oh my God, is that going to blow everything up? So I have really lent into that, that my desires are there for a reason. I need to give them the space for them to be without making them wrong. And I get to do this on my own terms, right? And what feels comfortable and safe and certain right now only feels like that because I've been wearing that. I've been wearing this current setup, right? When I stepped into, when we step into these things for the first time, it never feels like that. It's just that now we've got beliefs around that. We've kind of settled into that. And we now have an identity that we've kind of created around that. Yeah. But something to be said for the adage. And again, we all know these things on an intellectual level, but we don't do the deeper work to really integrate this. Really stepping into that next version of yourself or that vision that you have for your life truly means being willing to give up whatever it is right now. Yeah. Wow. I really feel that like not from a career way, but just in like a, for me, like in a personal way of moving and change. And I think it's such a valuable lesson to change can be uncomfortable. And, or actually I'd love your thoughts on this. Like when I was moving to New York from Michigan years ago, someone I was talking to my therapist, I think, and I was like, change is uncomfortable. Like growth is uncomfortable. And, you know, I'm just, this is the transition and it's just going to be uncomfortable. And she was like, I mean, I get that and I hear that, but like, what if it didn't have to be? Like, what if you could have ease within the discomfort? And I really liked that concept. And I think there has to be some discomfort of just what you're talking about in terms of like, newness and uncertainty is inherently jarring but also novelty is wonderful and like we crave novelty novelty is love you know what are your thoughts with can change and growth and up leveling be filled with ease Oh, that's such a powerful question, Katie. And I th- I'm in complete agreement to you. And I think part of it is, again, just we accept so many things as facts, like marriage, it has to be so hard. Relationships have to be so hard. Running a business, scaling a business has to be so hard. Like, So we just, again, we just passively accept that that has to be our truths. And so much of the inner work that I've had to do is to, again, be like, is that is that a me thing? Have I decided that? Or is that something that I've just passively accepted as required, right? So <laughs> definitely, I, I don't think it is. And I think that's also why we can, we don't tap into our desires, why we don't t- take action in alignment with our intuition. We don't do that because all of that is, we're told that it's hard, it's scary. So there's this cognitive dissonance, right? consciously we're saying that we want to have these things that we're trying to call these things in our life but in the subconscious it's going crazy because we've 
told ourselves that it's going to mean losing this. It's going to mean struggle. So it's never going to feel good. (laughs) And I think that's why many people move away from a lot of this work. How I've been able to reframe it is that it's less about it being hard. It's less about that. It's like I tap into who do I get to be by virtue of walking this route? And I was saying to a friend of mine the other day that it's so funny being able to like take a bird's eye view of your own journey. And I was saying to her that right now in my life, it feels like I'm just peeling this onion and like understanding new layers of me. And so it's, so it's reframed the, like what we think of like this awkward in between, between like where we are right now and what we're trying to step into. I'm like, I'm down for it because it's like, I, I love who I become by virtue of following that. I love the, the sense of connection that I get with myself and self-awareness by virtue of going. So I don't even need to achieve the thing, right? And that's what I say about the goals. I almost like set the goal or set the this and kind of forget it because I'm so in love with the process. And that's why I'm always saying to my clients, like, you always, we always tell ourselves that when we hit this benchmark, then I'm going to feel this, right? So I have to white knuckle my way through it to get there. And I said, once you've got your basis covered, then what will ever inspire you to continue to tap into your full potential? Because you've just told yourself that you have to white knuckle your way to get there. You're never going to. And there isn't that urgent like discomfort anymore because you're actually okay Continuing to do this work is just now just based on you wanting to feel your full potential. Why can't that be the thing right now then? Why can't that be the place that we come from in terms of doing this work and kind of navigating the middle? And that's when I start to see shifts in my clients and it's been the shift with me where they actually enjoy the process of going for the goal because it's not Mm -hmm. even about the goal. It's about who they get to be. And in doing so, they blow their own minds of what they're capable of. Right, which is so much more sustainable because it's a moving target. You know, I'm sure, especially for threes on the Enneagram, like <laughs> you make one thing and then it's something else. And, so, and I think I'm, I might be a three as well, although I've taken the test a bunch of times and I keep getting a different number, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, I think for everyone, that sort of a model to goal setting is so much more, yeah, sustainable. Like I said, I want to get back to making the shift from, so you're working in magazines, you're young and you have all of this success. How do you make the shift to what you're doing now? And can you tell me about what you're doing now and what that transition was like? Yeah. So I'm not going to give you guys the sugar-coated version. I'm just going to be really raw and honest with you. Please. At Let that, it out. <laughs> that crossroad, everything almost needed to burn in order for me to step into that next phase. So I was feeling all of the feelings. It was just like horrendously out of alignment for me, but I needed things to, sh- like the universe had to like break things down in order for me to move. So at the time, I can't even remember, this is like more than six years ago now, just everything was changing in print. It was like, it's almost like someone was like increasing the dial of like my discomfort. So 
the work yeah. they were laying people off. So the workload of the people that were there was like, <laughs> you know, we're doing like three people's jobs. I hadn't taken a, you know, any time. It was just like, a, it was just like a hot mess. My relationship had completely crumbled and had been for a long time. But again, I was so busy that I just, that was like, oh, that's kind of on the sidelines. I'll deal with that when I can. And it all just got to a tipping point. The relationship ended. I left. Um, and again, I was in, when I was in New York and one of my best friends said to me, like, Naomi, like, what is the worst case scenario? And at the time I was about to buy a home. I was about to do this again, like, buffering in my life of like the busyness and all of that and it's like why were you gonna buy <laughs> buy home with someone that like you've been wanting to get out of a relationship within a long time so it created like this beautiful crossroad and she was just like what's the worst that can happen first let's deal with the job you leave the job you have amazing contact <laughs> you have amazing contacts you have amazing connections you can totally leverage your expertise while you're working on on the business that you're trying to create like you're good Worst case scenario, what happens? You leave the house, you go and stay with family for a while, you come to New York, you, you come and stay with me. Like your worst case scenario isn't that bad, right? Maybe even if you would, the business didn't work out and you went back, like you just find a job within the kind of publishing space that felt more aligned to where you are right now. Like, girl, you're good. Um, with the relationship side, it's like, you know, this That's is such a good friend to, to yeah, do that amazing. with you. Feels amazing. Like, I feel like we really can't. We go from like zero to sixty. This will be terrible. But you really need someone outside of yourself who cares about you, but is neutral to do that for you. Simi's done that for me before a bunch, and it's really useful. Yeah, because I think we catastrophize in our heads, yes, and it's like that's the word. Many of us are fortunate enough that we're never going to be out on the streets. We're never, you know, yeah. we're. We're, we're blessed. And I think that we forget that. So she just kind of walked me through that. And I was like, do you know what? Like, I, I forgot who I am. Like, yeah, we are so powerful and we are so resourceful and we are so all of those things. So got home, left the job, left the relationship, packed my stuff away in storage, went home. Um, and yeah. I was just like, I just need to regroup. And it was just exactly what I needed. That time was just like rediscovering who I was when I wasn't feeling like I was playing a role or just doing the motions or just doing any of that. And then about six months later, because of that time, that space that I had, I was able, I was like, you know what? There's something about New York that just keeps pulling me. I just feel like my business was like, that's going to be the place that my business really grows. And I started commuting between New York and London, ended up meeting my now husband there and everything just kind of unraveled. So that was kind of what was happening in the background. In terms of the business and how I transitioned, while I was doing this job, I was having such incredible conversations with amazing female founders behind a lot of these fashion and lifestyle brands. And I'd always go back to my desk and it would be reduced down to, they have a new collection coming out. They have a new partnership, you know, <laughs> go and buy it next week. But I walk away with hours upon hours of transcripts and, you know, we'd be talking about the nuances and the sliding doors moments and the opportunities and the failures. And it's like, why is nobody talking about this? It's either very like Forbes, corporate, middle-aged white guy behind a desk, 
or in the kind of lifestyle women's titles, it's all just about fashion and beauty. It's like they don't, we don't have anything else. It was crazy. So I really wanted to create this platform that really shared powerful stories that were not just inspirational, but they were real and they were strategic and they were insightful. Didn't know what that was going to look like. Didn't know at the time that that was going to result in coaching. I was just like, there is just such a need for this. And I feel selfish, like keeping all of this insights within me. On the flip side of that, one of the great things about my job was that I worked editorially, but also with the commercial side. And as I was saying, because the climate was changing at the time, brands were now, it wasn't enough for them to just like do a 24 by 4 ad in a magazine or a newspaper. Like they needed to become media houses in their own right. They needed content. They needed to be online. They needed to be offline. They needed to create events. They needed to work with influencers. They needed to do all of this kind of stuff. So that was a great opportunity for me. I was able to create a consulting company that works with a lot of those brands, leveraged my insights doing that kind of work and kind of bridging the gap between the two. So I was able to scale that business to the six-figure mark, take care of myself while really pouring all of my love and my energy into the content that I was providing under the Lifestyle Edit, the building the audience really allowing my audience to feel held and taken care of without this pressure to monetize the content. I love how much you mentioned the movie Sliding Glass Doors because I do as well. And I think that those moments of like, could have gone either way are so brilliant and and ripe to, to learn from. 100%. So can you talk a little bit about how you work with clients now and maybe some of the challenges or the main topics that are holding them back or that they're coming to you with recently that you're hearing over and over again? Absolutely. So now I work with coaches and consultants, heart-centered entrepreneurs to consistently attract and convert ideal clients with ease. The biggest thing that I find with my clients is that They have created offers and packages and programs that are literally changing people's lives. Like the people that they work with love them. The problem with that is that they're hearing all about this create a life where you you can make a bigger impact and, and, you know, earn more and work less. And they're like, why is this not happening? Like, I know I'm doing great work. My clients love me, but it feels like it's a Herculean effort to like secure new clients. And I feel like I'm constantly in hustle and struggle mode. Like for all the effort that I'm putting in, why am I not seeing this in, in my results? Like I support others. This business doesn't feel like it's truly supporting me. So my job in the way that I work with my clients is to really support them to get their work in the hands of as many people as possible. And I do that by supporting them in creating magnetic marketing that just really constantly on this kind of customer acquisition hamster wheel. And then also helping them to sell and convert people and invite them into their offerings in a really soulful way. Because one of the biggest challenges that I see with these with my clients is that They've bought into this belief that 
you either make a lot of money doing work that you literally have to push yourself through or you do really impactful work and you just make no money from it. And I'm like, how can our profits be evidence of the immense impact that we're putting in the world? We wouldn't be able to be profitable if we weren't doing that. So how can we get your work in that you can help, that you can exist? And selling is giving them the invitation. So how can we do that so that you can continue to do the magical work that you do? I love that. And I know from Simi, I keep talking about Simi, but from her experience, just how much you've helped her and and just from consuming your your work, I can see that as well. So it's so cool. So I'm excited to ask you some questions that Simi and I talked about that are topics that I would love to get your thoughts on. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, let's go. Okay. So I would love to hear you speak about mindset and beliefs and actions and how we have to do some mental gymnastics in order to up-level and what that process has been like for you, both personally and professionally. Because I, this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently and contemplating. And I would love your thoughts on this because I think we are very aligned in the way that we think about growth or manifestation or whatever you want to call it in terms of, you know, our thoughts inform our or our beliefs and our thoughts inform our our beliefs inform our thoughts and then our thoughts inform our actions and our actions become our lives. And I've been thinking a lot about expectation and the subconscious that you were mentioning before. And I think I can get into the spiral of I totally get it and I totally believe that for you or for Simi or for someone else I know that you can create your reality in your life, but there's a lot of mental work that has to be done. And sometimes for myself, I can be like, I totally know I could do that, but I feel like blocked or a lack of clarity or a lack of habit to actually do yeah the mental gymnastics to maintain that and shift that so I would love your thoughts on that oh there's so many places that we can go with this but I think (laughs) there's a few things and it's funny I was just jotting some points down as you were talking the first thing is about number one being the observer of our own thoughts right we can only change what we can see and we kind of alluded to this already. That's the sneaky thing about beliefs. We see them as facts. So how can we challenge something that we think is an absolute, right? So one of the ways I'm really able to navigate, like where are some of these sneaky things coming up that I think of as fact? I ground myself in getting clear on the vision. What am I trying to call into my life? What am I trying to call into my business? And then I start to visualize like, Who is that person? Who is that Naomi that gets to be, do, and have all of that? What are some of the ways that she is showing up in her life every single day that trigger me, (laughs) that I'm not doing? What is the gap? We often think that we just need more information. We need someone to tell us what to do. We need someone. And it's like, no, no, no. We have a thing called Google. Anything that we could possibly (laughs) ever want to know is out there. So it's never about that. 
the only difference between the version of ourselves that have it versus where we are right now is that we are not aligned with the desire yet. Our thoughts are not conducive to us having it right now. We're saying that we want it, but actually like the things that are required or like believing it, like we're being triggered by it. So before I would shame myself for that to be like, oh my God, I should already be done with this by now. Like, that, like why am I still having this mindset drama about it? So first of all, I had to release the shame. Then it's about like me getting curious about it. So just an easy example is money mindset and like charging what you're worth, all of that kind of stuff. So I would always start with that. Like, what's the gap? What am I stressing about that? Like that version of me wouldn't even be thinking about. And then I just get curious and I sit with it and I'm like, ah, I see like that's coming up for you. Where, like, where did that come from? Where did you, at what point did you accept that that needed to be the reality for you? And I unpack and I allow myself to follow the feeling all the way through. And this is part of my daily practice. Like I'm, I always start with like, what are the goals? And I just write all the goals down and I just write down all of the mental chatter that's coming up. Like, oh, you've never done that before. What makes you think you're going to be able to do that? Or like just all of that kind of stuff. We need to be able to see it in order for us to be able to reframe. So that is a, that's like an everyday thing for me. So that's the first thing. Can I ask a question about that exercise? Yeah. I really like that you, so you write down the goal and then you write down your, basically your block to the goal, the thought that's like why you can't do that, correct? Yep. And then what do you do from there? Like you see it and then are you just like, cool? Or do you cross it off? Are you like trying to reframe that in a way? Like, do you just see it and let it go? I sit with it and I start to, I follow the, I follow the thought the whole way through. So I'll start to, again, this is another part of it. It's about asking ourselves better questions. So a lot of people in in my community have issues around charging what they're worth. And so it'd be sitting and being like, okay, so why, why am I feeling like feeling triggered when I have to share, share the price with somebody? And it's like, oh, because I feel like I'm taking. And then I'm like, okay, but am I taking? Why am I taking? And it's like, oh, because actually I have this, I have this underlying belief of lack that I hold on to my spending so much because I feel like if I, my money so much, because if I spend then I'm not going to have enough. So I'm now projecting that onto a potential customer who I can impact because I feel like they have the same situation too. So if they pay me, they're going to slip into lack. Oh, okay. Why do I see money as lack rather than this thing that's just this free flowing energy? It comes in with ease, it comes out with ease, and it keeps circulating. So, do you see what I mean? I follow it the whole way through. Where did this whole thing of lack come from? Where did that anxiety, where did that this? And it's only when I really follow it through that the shifts start to happen. I'm like, oh, like I just inherited somebody else's belief in lack. And now that's why it's showing up in my life in all of these different ways. And then that's the key thing is that, and I'm so pleased that you asked this question, is that we often, especially in the personal development phase, when we start to like look at the thoughts that come up, we instantly want to do something with them. It's like, no, okay, get it. Now I need to be really positive and optimistic. Yeah, that's like what I was trying to ask. (laughs) Now I have to be really positive. 
It's like, no, part of it, the most powerful work that we could do is allowing ourselves to sit with the feeling the whole way through. Because when it comes to the mindset stuff, oftentimes the reason why we feel stuck, the reason why we don't take action on the things that we actually really want is because we are afraid of our own feelings. We are afraid of feeling disappointed. We are afraid of the shame in falling short or making a mistake. This is all like, again, when we're like, why am I afraid of it? It's like, yeah, you're afraid of feeling shame. You're afraid of feeling, yeah, disappointment. When we practice being able to truly process the emotion the whole way through, we're not afraid anymore because you're like, even if that happened, I know how to be with myself. I know how to process I know how to lead myself through tough emotions, right? Yeah. And it's only when we do that that it gives us confidence to like, we, it, it increases our capacity to do and, and like experience things. We're not as afraid. And it also then enables us to confidently reframe, you know, yeah. because you're like, ah, I've now gone through that whole process. It's not true. But I definitely want to say a caveat to that. Like, Again, one of the things that I believed is that it had to be this big process that like I had to journal about it for ages. I had to meditate. I had to, sometimes it's like, I get this where it's like, I'm done. Like <laughs> I have that eureka moment and I don't have to do lots of unpacking about it. Right. So it doesn't have to be a long winded process, but I think the key thing is like allowing yourself to really feel the feelings and like follow it the whole way through and not just do this like toxic positivity. Yes, yeah, so you feel the feeling, you follow it all the way through. Because I'm, I'm thinking about it in terms of you can do this for personal things or, or business things or anything. You see where it comes from. Okay, you see what it makes you feel like. And then is there a, a shift that needs to be made? Or is the shift just really looking at who you would need to be and what would need to change and how you would need to show up if the reality that you wanted was your current circumstances? Yeah. So I then start to think like, again, our thoughts create our emotions, which create our actions. How do I ultimately want to feel about this issue? It's not about going from zero to a hundred. What's something that I can actually get behind that is a more higher frequency thought or belief that's going to help me go up the spectrum? right? So it could be, for example, you're navigating a family member. And so, for example, just using my story with my family really wanting me to go down a kind of activation and like disappointment and like anger to a certain extent. And then I'm like, what do I really want to feel? My true desire is that I want to feel connected. I want to feel this and go from zero to a hundred overnight. So what's a, what's a thought that I can really embody right now in relation to this issue? So a thought could be, they were just interacting with me in the way that they knew how. Mm-hmm. That was just their experience. And while in their minds they were trying to protect me, <laughs> to protect me, they were just literally, they were just responding in the way that they knew how with the resources. And but they thought they were doing the absolute best, even though I felt stifled, right? So I'm not dishonoring the feeling. I'm not now making it seem like never happened, but just see emotionally, I'm going up the energetic like kind of pole, if that makes sense. 
So that yeah. instantly, like you even feel it in your body. I feel like your body, our bodies tell us so much. It takes away a lot of the, the hunched shoulders, the anxiety. And it's like, okay, that's something that I can really get behind. And then you can see that the more that you do this, then you start to make these shifts in beliefs, shifts in thoughts. And it becomes something that you automatically do rather than something you know, that, that you have to really think about. Yeah, I love that. So what is your relationship? You mentioned goal setting a little bit and your process around that. What if you're feeling a lack of clarity of exactly where you want to go? I feel that a bit of, I kind of have a general idea, but I don't have the specifics. And I think that makes doing the exercise that you just shared a bit trickier for me. So I would love your thoughts on lacking clarity and and your relationship to clear goals. Yeah. So this is such an interesting question and and steer me wherever you want me to go. But I feel like fundamentally we have to recognize that the sole reason why we have goals is less about the goal itself and more about how we think we would feel once we have those things that we're setting goals around. Yeah. Yeah. So when you don't have the clarity, I would tap into the feeling. What are some of the ways that you want to feel? And there's a really great book that really helps me with this by Danielle Laporte. She has one called The Fire Starter Sessions and another one called um, The Desire Map. And she really invites you to really visualize, yeah, less about I want this and I want that, I want that relationship, I want that. It's like, how do you want to feel in your body, in your everything? That then becomes the compass. And I think sometimes we get so bogged down in like the how, like I don't know what to be doing right now. I don't know what the steps are. What I've found is sometimes I'm not clear on the actual tangible things. So yeah, I default into like, what are the feelings? And the more I put that at the forefront, the more I focus on that in my daily practice, my visualization, then my job is to just act in integrity with that every day. And when we start to do that, the how then starts to come into fruition. So if I'm trying to feel A, when opportunities start to come up, and as we keep saying, these sliding doors moment, I use that as my North Star. And that's when we have those moments where we then reflect back and we're like, oh my God, all of those things had to happen. And that's where people in personal development say, so like, say like being divinely guided, right? Mm-hmm. I think we obsess so much, like, I don't know the how, I don't know this. Sometimes it literally is as simple as like following what feels good and trusting that you can never be steered wrong by that. Those things will naturally start to evolve by virtue of doing that. And just for the people here who have businesses, it's the same thing that I have for my business. I know roughly like what the the goals are based on like how I want to feel in my life and how my business feeds into that. I don't have like this definitive breakdown of like in this month, it's going to be this and this and this mapping out for the whole year. I'm so, I allow myself the space. So I have the kind of overarching thing, but then I feel into it. So even now we're talking at the start of the month. So what would need to happen? What would I need to do? What would I need to put out there in order for me to feel that way? What would feel really good? And the more I speak to people, it's so sad in a way that like, 
they're like, what? Like, what would feel good? That, that, that's just not even something that many of us use to like guide mm. us in setting goals or like how we're taking action, how we're showing up in our lives, our businesses, all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, you get, you get to do that. And when you really tap into that, following through then doesn't become this thing that you have to white knuckle, just going back to what we're talking before. Like, I don't need to be motivated then to show up because it came from me in the first place. Yeah. Wow. I really love that. I, I think I was bogged down on clarity in the specifics and Danielle Laporte did the podcast years ago and I'll link to that episode and her core desired feelings, putting that first and then you can figure out the goal. And then, like you said, the goal doesn't really even matter. It's it's so funny how I can intellectually understand things and have them in my brain somewhere. But it's like you said, it's the embodiment. It's the actually integrating that in this space, like consume, 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 take in so much information, but it's actually the integration that is where it works. <laughs> yeah. And there's a great guy that I love. He's called um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he talks about that, like being the observer of your thoughts and just this whole idea, like how many times do we actually have white space to do this, to feel our feelings, to process we are every, I can't remember what he calls it, but every, you know, those buffer times, like you are on a walk to the subway or whatever, like all of those, we've got our headphones in, we're scrolling, we're this. So those natural decompression moments where we're able to like reconnect, ground ourselves, reflect, we just don't have those times anymore. And that's why I find, you know, just having a practice that you can really ground yourself in so important it's that non-negotiable time to give yourself the gift of that in a time where we are always so overstimulated. Yeah, I love that. You said once getting your thinking higher than your current circumstances and that our level of thinking needs to be higher than our current results. If we, even if we like our current results, we are growth-oriented people. Can you talk about that a little bit? I love it. Katie, you've done your research. (laughs) Yeah. So, oh, I love this. What do I mean by this? It means that your current results in your life, all they are, are evidence of past thinking. So your current results in your life are just evidence of past thinking because we know our thoughts create our emotions, which create our actions. So look at the things in your life right now, right? That are working, that don't feel like they're working right now, that feel heavy, what was the thought that created that? (laughs) So, and that's the thing with goal setting, which is why I always say to my clients, use it as moving targets. Because what happens is that we don't hit the goal and then we start feeling the shame, we start feeling the stress, we start feeling, and that just creates more of the same thing as self-perpetuating because these thoughts, now we're not going to show up, now we're going to shrink, now we're going to do that. And all that's now telling me is what your results are going to be at the end of next month. (laughs) Do you see what I mean? So our thinking needs to be higher than our current realities because the the downside, and this was one of the things that changed my life. Wayne Dyer said, he has a whole book on this. We often are told, like, I'll believe it when I see it. And he's like, no, 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 no. You see it when you believe it. Yeah, fully. 
see it when you believe it, right? So what he's essentially saying is that very often we look at our current results to tell us what's possible. So you want to get healthier, right? You're looking at your current results. You feel sluggish. You feel you haven't got a lot of energy. You feel like, you know, you couldn't run down the block. So we use that as like evidence of what's possible for us, right? We're using our current realities to determine what is possible. So we're never going to feel motivated. It could be in your business that you're not um, getting the amount of clients that you want. So you tell yourself that my offer stuck, you know, the pricing, the this, the that. We get so much into our heads because we're looking at our current results to determine what is possible for us. Why the mindset work becomes so important is that we don't need to be looking to our current results. We need to be looking at, be so connected to the vision of what we're trying to create. Again, that our desire becomes our North Star, that we're now challenged to rise to the level of the desire, rise to the level of the goal. And again, starting to think, who does that person, how does that person think? Then the results happen by virtue of that. And that's why with my clients, you know, they'll have all of these incredible wins. And I always say to them, especially like in our mastermind and our groups, please share to everybody, how were you thinking this month that was different? How were you, what were the thoughts that you had this month that enabled you to receive the level of abundance that you're doing right now? And it's all, it's never about the strategy because they knew the strategy the whole time. It yeah. was that they decided they decided they weren't dabbling. They weren't this. It wasn't like, oh, well, you know, that person said no today. So I can't still hit it. It's like, no, they follow through because they are so connected to the vision and they don't allow what's going on today to, to tell them whether that's possible for them or not. Mm, that's such a good exercise of going through. And I've done this before in like my personal life with relationships a lot where I'll be like, oh, when things were working, what was I thinking then? Or how did that work? And trying to recreate that or just trying to acknowledge that. And that to to do that is is such a powerful exercise. I love that. The other thing I, I wanted to hear you speak about this. You you mentioned this in passing on another podcast I listened to you on. And you talked about, you know, when you're having a day where you aren't getting done as much as you want to get done or you're not feeling your best, you, instead of trying to change that, you lean into that. And then the next day you wake up and you, when you are in flow, you really focus. And I'd love to hear you speak on that. And recently I was watching this Abraham Hicks video and she was talking about essentially doing a very similar version of the exercise that, that you do of focusing on a new vision or a new goal or how you want to feel and writing it out. And and she was like, the time to do that isn't when the world is underlying or proving you your negative beliefs, right? Like things not going your way, failures, um, just feeling sad or whatever. That is not the time to rewire that belief. The time to do that is when you're feeling sparkly and in the flow and having you've kind of fallen into what she would call the vortex right so i i would love to hear you talk about how you feel about that basically because i've been thinking about that a lot of like 
like yesterday, for instance, was one of those days for me where just like everything was not quite working. And I kept trying to shift and pivot and change. And I think in those moments, the most effective solution is maybe to pause and then restart the next day. Can you speak on that? Okay, I love the fact that we like love all the same people. You're like, Byron Katie, won't die. Like loving this. I know. Um, I think we're so aligned. It's really it's nice like, to chat with you. <laughs> it's like a kindred spirit. I love it. Such a great, great question. Oh, this is something, honestly, that it's like a true working progress. So I am, it's definitely something that I'm still having to work on. But so this is why it's also fresh for me. One of the things that I'm really grounding myself in is this real belief in everything that I'm doing is compounding. Everything that I'm doing is contributing. Everything that I'm doing is enough, right? Mm -hmm. So it could be that all I managed to do today like was a, a mini training on my stories. And then for some reason, you know, I'm dealing with something, you know, my kid or whatever, and I just can't do it or I'm just not in the flow. I tell myself that that mini training that I did is going to touch somebody. And that's all, that's all that I needed. Like what I do today is enough, is enough. We overestimate what we can do in a day or how detrimental having an off day is going to be. And we underestimate the compounding impact of the, what the, the, the ricochet effects of those times when we're in flow. And I have to just remind myself of that, that it's not about, I have to do the same kind of output every single day. And da, 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 da. if I fall short of that today, it's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm doing this stuff all the time. And even when I'm not working, the ricochet effects of that flow time is working for me. And one of the things that I do in part of my evening practice is just jotting down and I get my clients to do this, like evidence that it's all working. Even if you, like you said, you didn't do everything on your to-do list, evidence that it's all working. It just helps you again, not go from like not believing at all to being like, yeah, let's do all these affirmations that you don't believe. So it's again, just giving yourself that concrete evidence of like, what are the signs today that it was working? Well, because we naturally have a negativity bias. We we catastrophize. We're human beings. That's what our that's what the subconscious mind will do to try and keep us safe. So, what is the evidence that it's working? And reminding myself of like when I'm in, especially in business, marketing, selling, facilitating transformation. It's all about energy. It's all about energy. So I can white knuckle myself and be like, I have to produce more content. I said I had it on my to-do list. And if I don't do it today, then it's all going to catch up. So I could do the motion and do it. But in business, we're trying to create content that connects to someone that inspires them to do something that's going to transform them. So it's all about energy. Buying is such an emotional thing. Whenever somebody buys from you, oftentimes you would have said the same thing 20 times before, but you came on in such a connected way that they felt your heart, they felt your energy, they felt who you are. And that's when you get people DMing you being like, I know you said that before, but like, I'm ready, I'm ready. Like, how do we do this? So I 
reframe and be like, it's not my effort and my pushing, for example, that grows my business. It's my energy. So the biggest job that I can do, even in my personal life, is to protect my energy. Because when that is in place and that is aligned, oh my God, everything else just flows. And I don't have to do the pushing because the energy is magnetic enough that it does all of the work for me. Mm, yeah. I, I think I've gotten into these cycles where I'll have in my mind or on my to-do list the things that I want to do that day. And I know I'll get a hit of dopamine from completing that. And so I'm so attached to that, but it's just not happening. And I push to get to the end of that and it just doesn't feel good. I'm doing so much more work and effort. And then other days when like I have nothing on my to-do list and I take aligned action, it's so easy and flowy. And I just need to remember on those days where it's not flowing, like instead of pushing, I could just wait and and then there's a level of trust, which is kind of the same with creativity of like, you will feel ease again. You will feel productive again. You will... I, I get that way with mental health of like, when I'm feeling low, I forget I'll ever be high again, you know? Or if I'm not feeling... If I'm feeling creatively blocked, I forget I'll ever have another creative idea again. But now I'm getting a bigger sample size of like, that's not true, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And one of book that really helped me with that is, you know, Kate Northrup's book, I can't remember, Do Less. She says that it's like with the seasons, we don't, there are no flowers without rain. There's no, like, we never say, oh my God, is spring or summer going to ever come back again? We appreciate that there's something to be said for rest and that there's yeah. a cycle to everything. And again, these are all things that we know intellectually, but I always have to remember that, yeah, there's there's a flow. I'm able to be, you know, facing and like giving in my friendships and showing up in my life in the way that I want to when I really honor myself and just understanding like the cyclical nature. And one of the things that she said in the book that you kind of just alluded to right now is, we see that there's something really beautiful about that, um, the masculine energy of like the doer that gets stuff done. And I feel like we can demonize the doing. There, there's magic when it's aligned action, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what we, we, we see results from that and we haven't been taught that we can actually call in what we want by virtue of allowing ourselves to just be. It's not just about doing. And she uses the example of the egg. And about how the egg, like, just, I'm not even going to butcher it up, but like magnetizes the, the sperm in, 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 in the uterus. It's like, she doesn't have to do anything. It's just this powerful magnetic energy that like drives it. It's a miracle. It's amazing. And I just thought that was such a powerful example that sometimes being, it has an energy of magnetism too. And we forget that. We feel like things will only happen. Things only happen for me when I'm continuing to push and do. Part of the creation is the rest. Part of the creation is the reflection. Part of that, like there is no one without the other. Yeah. Oh, I really love that. There's, I went to this healer in Bali and he gave me this phrase, here now in this and I try to wherever I am good weird bad even you know because that's just something we make in our mind like 
this is it. That like this is the experience I'm having. Distracting from it and wanting to get out of it and wanting to run from it is just going to it won't allow me to process it, you know? So I I really love that. Can you talk about any failures or challenges that have taught you something? Okay, yeah. I was telling you guys that part of the the biggest thing that I've really navigated is this like overachiever, overachiever. And it would it would always be like the over it's it's it was less even about the achievement. It was just like I didn't know anything other than striving. <laughs> and so it would be like, this doesn't actually feel good, but all I know is to strive. So once I had started now, I'd left, I'd started my business, I created this consulting side while I was building out uh, the content limb of the business. And I had all the clients, I was doing all the things, I was working every hour God sends again. I just literally transferred that kind of workabee energy to my own business. And again, having the Sunday scaries of my own business and working really hard and had like the sexy metrics on the surface, um, but was not profitable at all. I was spending so much more money having to hire contractors, do all of this kind of stuff to facilitate the delivery of the system. As a result, I was burnt out, overworked, also shaming myself to be like, like, dude, you're like a business consultant. Like you should totally, <laughs> you totally like have your shit together. What the hell? And so all of that is going on and just like not feeling like I can get out of this situation. And then to add insult to the injury, my now husband was giving his bone marrow away and was in the hospital. And I told my clients, like, I have to be there this one day. It's one day. I like, I can't be con- contacted. They ended up scheduling a meeting for that day. So long story short, took him to the hospital, had to just like dump him there, go downtown to this meeting. And I'm getting calls from the hospital being like, yeah, like he's woken up and He's, he's on his own, so it might be a good idea for you to come back. Oh, my Rush, God. Rush, I know. I'm just like, I'm going full force on this one. You guys are thinking I'm a horrible human no. being. But Rush, <laughs> it's really hard, though. Rush back uptown. And I'm like, okay, so what medicine does he need? How long is this going to be? Da, 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 da. And then, fortunately, his friend was there. And I'm like, can you, you're going to have to take him home. So I actually have to go back downtown to work. And then the next day, I was like, going on and like taking influencers to a festival for like one of my one of my clients and I remember being there being like trying to navigate like food deliveries for him and all of this and I was like Naomi what the hell Mm. are you doing like the business isn't working the model isn't working but you feel so much like shame and all of that around that that you're still doing the motions without just saying like this isn't working something has to change you are yet again allowing this like constantly pushing through and hustle workaby thing to impact on the way that you're showing up for the people that you ultimately care about more so than any job, any business, any project. Dude, you've got your priorities in all of the wrong places. And again, that was like another huge sliding doors moment for me. And like, learning to be compassionate with myself and understand, again, some of those core motivators that led me into some of those mistakes again, and then rearranging and having the courage to change. Wow. 
Wow. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, I think I've had so many moments like that where I've realized that I've lost sight of something more important for something less important. And it's subconscious and it just happens. And it's so uncomfortable because it's out of integrity with your core desires essentially of like what you want and you just lost sight of it for a minute. And I remember I I was writing an essay about a time where I did did that in a personal relationship where, you know, I I prioritized in my case it wasn't work, but something else over people, you know, pe- like connection. And my writing teacher was like, cool, like this is probably not the the last person you're going to hurt with this. And it wasn't the first. And hearing that was like, oh no, it's going to be the last. I'm going to learn this lesson. But sometimes we have to learn lessons again and again and again. And that's just this experience. Yeah, it it is. And it's like, and that's why I think when we start to approach it with curiosity and allowing whatever comes up to come up, there's just so much beauty on the other side of it. Like even silly things like, I would always say yes to certain things and then would either begrudgingly do it and like not give my all to it. Or like I'd kind of like ghost on the person and they'd be like, emailing me and be like, you know, that thing that you said yes to. And I was like, again, like I'm acting out of integrity. Like that's not who I want to be. And instead, it, again, that situation was like another, unfortunately letting other people down in certain ways was an opportunity for me to say, do you know what? I honor them and I honor myself when I'm just honest. Like I don't have to have a noble reason. If it's just a no, it's a no. And just figuring out when were all of the times when I said yes, when it really was a no, how can I just start to embody like being more in integrity with what actually feels good and then can have more integrity in the way that I show up in my relationships too. So again, like allowing these things to be like an opportunity for you to look into that, but just like not also making yourself feel wrong for it. Like we're we're having a human experience. I think just using those as an opportunity to again, realign like, okay, this, this isn't how I want to show up. So what would feel more in integrity? Yeah. Yeah. Fully. I love that. Okay. So I could talk to you forever. I hope I get to talk to you more soon. Um, Let's wrap with some quick fire questions. So just say the first thing that that comes to mind. Okay. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? Pizza. What's your favorite food, like last meal food, something you'd want to eat on your birthday? A roast dinner. What's your go-to breakfast? Pancakes. Favorite place in New York? Bed-Stuy, where I live. What's the thing you're most looking forward to after quarantine? Flying back to London to see my family. You're someone who I think does social media so well. Do you have boundaries with it and what helps you? Yeah, it's it's tricky. I do have boundaries. So my boundaries are that I don't follow. I don't really follow anyone in my space. I don't really follow before it was like, Oh, it's a business account. So I should know what's going on in my industry. No, I follow my clients. I follow stuff that brings me joy, like interior design and food and not much else. Like I literally zone everything else out just for the very reason, like as you were saying, like I want to be able to hear my own thoughts. I want to be able to have my own ideas. I want to be able to be creative. And if I'm consuming more than I create, 
that's a problem. And that's when I start to feel stifled. So definitely have boundaries around that. Again, one of my guiding words is about integrity. So I often feel like I want to live my life in a way that's in integrity with the way that I I'm preaching in my work. So how am I walking, talking testimony? So I don't have guidelines like, oh, I'm not going to show this. I'm not going to do this because I feel like I've worked so hard to be in integrity with this work. I just bring people along that journey with me and what that mm. looks like. And when it feels good, it feels good. If it doesn't, I don't share. I don't have like strict kind of lines about that. And I'm so unaffected by like, if I do this, the numbers of this, I really don't care. Again, I'm just like the person who is really going to be impacted by my work. They're in alignment with these values. Like how we've been saying there's so many synergies. So all I need to do is show up as me and that will always be enough. Wow. I really like that and need to hear that because I do get bogged down with the social media stuff. So that's really helpful. You Speaking of social media, you recently, a couple months ago, posted something on there that really struck me about the pay gap between Black women. Can you talk about that a bit? So yeah, I was sharing that because a statistic that I feel like many people may not be aware of, and to be honest, I wasn't aware of um, until recently, was that the average net worth of a single Black woman, African-American woman, is $5. To add to that, 75% of Black families in this country, the woman is the breadwinner, brings in the lion's share of the lion's share of the money in the household. So if black women are earning X amount on the dollar compared to other demographics, women, what impact is that having on black families? So just sit with that for a minute. Yeah. It's stark. It is so, so stark. And I think right now we have, we're in this time where there's a lot about like call out culture. I don't think that that's conducive for us moving forward, but that's a completely separate conversation. What I want to do is to be able to use my platform to be able to share some of these things as kind of thinking points. And especially for, as my husband and I are really thinking about the type of legacy that we want to create and, you know, supporting my clients and thinking about this stuff, I just want to create a safe space for us to be able to have these kind of conversations. Yeah, I'm so happy that you shared that. That is a really impactful statistic to know and sit with. Yeah. And that's why someone put a meme about this. And I was like, I didn't have the verbiage yet to articulate how I was feeling. But she basically said, like, being a woman in business is like a form of activism in itself. Being a black woman in business is a form of activism in itself. One of the things that was like the final straws in my old job was again, we're all out, we're, you know, having a few drinks. And I realized that my colleagues who had the exact same role, so I'm fashion editor, he's tech editor, she's beauty, she's travel. Mind you, I was bringing in, <laughs> I was doing far more pages, bringing in lots of money into my section the pay gap between me and my white colleagues was like more than $10,000 easy. And when I brought it up to my manager, it was like, 
yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess we could think about that at another time. So that was very, it was like such, a, again, a sliding doors moment. And I was just like, never again will somebody else be in control of my financial destiny. Mm. I decide how much I earn. I decide that. I'm not going to go to someone with a begging bowl who's then going to tell me like, yes, and what? (laughs) And maybe this is something that we can talk about at a later date. Entrepreneurship gave me that opportunity in a way that employment just never would. And that's just like the core reality of it. And that's why so much of my work is about changing financial legacies. Like when you start to look at the statistics of um, African-American families who are able to actually pass on something to their family. It's like, it's tiny. So you got to think every generation is starting from scratch. So I will not be apologetic for selling. I will not be apologetic for charging what my work is worth. This is so much deeper than that. And the fact that people can be triggered by you doing that, it's like, that's a you thing. And that just shows so much of your privilege. I don't get to make a choice about whether I... I can make an income or not. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. This is a this is a bit of a turn, but what is your favorite part of your life right now? Twofold. Doing work that I just truly love. Truly love. I think so many of us feel like the work part of our lives is like something that we just have to do. It's like a, a means to an end. I love it. I love it so much sometimes that I have to like stop myself from like going too much into it and trying to like make sure that I still have energy to pour into other places of parts of my life because I'm just getting so much joy out of this work. So that, and then also like being a mom, it's just been like, it's been the most confronting thing that's happened to me, but also like the most joyous thing. It's like, re-seeing the world through somebody else's eyes and seeing like yourself reflected back the parts of yourself that need healing the parts of the self yourself that need growth and also some of the magical sides of yourself that you would never just own and receive oh it's like it's such a joy Mm, I love that so much what is your greatest lesson on motherhood it's actually what I was alluding to before about allowing yourself to feel the feelings. So with him, I would often be like, he gets a little boo-boo, he does something and it's like, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And it's like, but no, actually he's not fine. He's just, he's just hurt himself. It's okay for him not to be fine. It's okay for him to be bored. It's okay for him to feel frustrated because I didn't let him pull that down or touch that. All of those are healthy emotions. But it was so interesting to me to observe myself, like trying to already teaching him to like buffer through the emotions. I'm like, so long as you're not hurting yourself, you're not hurting me, you're not hurting others, you're not in danger. If you want to have a little moment in the tantrum, like you're totally allowed to do that. Like you're frustrated, that's fine. And that gave me permission to be like, holy cow, am I doing that? (laughs) Am I allowing myself to do that? it's okay. And it was just such a funny moment where it's like, can you see how this starts so early? The buffering away, the making the feelings wrong. Wow. What a mirror. Yeah. 
what do you do when you feel overwhelmed or disorganized or like you don't have enough time? How do you make time and space? I tap into all of the times where I didn't do that (laughs) and what happened as a result. And I allow myself to have that space. I just make that non-negotiable. And I want everyone to to know that this isn't something (laughs) that, this is in theory on a good day, doesn't always look like that. But I think we have so many past experiences to draw on of where we haven't followed through on that or we have continued even though that we've known that and what the consequences are. And then on the other side of like how amazing it felt when we just gave ourselves that moment. So I try and really reconnect to that. Mm, Cool. What is your greatest lesson on romantic relationships? This is so good. My greatest lesson in romantic relationships is that, God, there are so many, but it's it's a constant ebb and flow of like personal growth and growth within the unit. And I was listening to a podcast recently and she was like, no one really thinks about like, what what's the purpose of being in this monogamous relationship or this situation? And she was saying that in her relationship, she realized that it was that she wants to stay in a relationship because the container of a relationship is an opportunity to tap into areas of ourselves and areas of growth that would have been very difficult for us to do on our own. And before I met my husband, I had a lot of time where I was, again, doing the theory of a lot of this personal growth. And he said to me, like, yeah, we've both done a lot of that work individually, but the magic about being in a unit is that it gives you these opportunities to really like embody it and actually like do the stuff and, and just like learning that sometimes in those shadow parts of me, when he comes and shares some of those things with me, like remembering that how beautiful is this, that no one knows me to the level that he does, right? <laughs> he sees yeah. The, the shadow, he sees the great parts, he sees it all. And just even reframing them. And now we've decided that this our relationship is this beautiful container for, for personal growth, for um, discovering more about ourselves and each other. Then when he is seeing things in me, sometimes some of the shadow things, remembering that and remembering that it requires a lot of courage for someone who loves us to be able to reflect some of these things back to us and that the magic comes from that and kind of just yeah letting that go that's that's some of the beauty of it that vulnerability of the other person being able to see all of these different sides of you and knowing that this whole ebb and flow is part of that that growth and that and that journey that's really cool and that's very much indicative of the safety within the relationship and what's so beautiful about a monogamous long-term partnership that feels safe is that you can grow in that way. Because I think without that safety there, that's impossible for several reasons. Like A, you won't feel comfortable to show up as yourself. And and B, even if you are showing up or you do get to that level of safety, you won't feel comfortable enough to hear the feedback. So that's it's really wonderful. And thank you. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you one example, Katie, in case this is useful for anyone. 
when we first started dating, I was so used to relationships being hard and like the drama and like was just power for the cause. And even in friendships, it was like, Every time you'd meet up with a girlfriend, it'd be like, that was what we connected on. Like, oh my God, girl, where do you want me to start? Like, when was the last time I saw you three months ago? Okay. Totally. Oh my God. Story of my life. (laughs) And then like, I'd start meeting people like, like, how's everything going? And it's like, oh no, it's great. And it was just so weird. It's like, I did have this like soliloquy of that. And that's so funny. I don't know if you even had that friendship started to shift because I didn't have shit to moan about anymore. Yeah. So, so that started showing up in my relationship of where I would just start arguments. Like I would create drama because all I knew was drama. So I had safety in the drama. And he just said to me one day, he's like, so let me, let me see if I'm getting this. Is the issue here that you just miss me? And I was like, <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, I guess it is. And he's like, you do realize that you're able to express your needs to me. <laughs> I was like, pardon? <laughs> Mind blown. It's like, oh my God, I don't have to show up. I don't have to like put a fuss. I don't have to create drama. I don't have to create fake arguments. Like, because that's all I know. I don't have to like put up a fuss and just hope that he guess- guesses what's wrong with me. Like, it's as simple as being grown ups and being able to communicate and the way and this is the thing this is why being around empowered people is so important because the things that trigger you don't trigger them so the way he was able to just say that in such a flippant way it was like again I didn't need to spend months unpacking it it was like holy cow yes it actually gets to be that simple and that healthy okay this is what I need and it's Mm -hmm. okay to express my needs and I would never have got that moment had it not been that I was in this container in this relationship yeah wow that's really cool we always talk about spirituality what happens when we die all of that god something greater than us where are you with that what is your relationship to that sort of realm (laughs) so I am a firm believer that we are we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. So, you know, am I saying that we're going up to the spirit in the sky? Like, no, not, no. I just feel like we are energy. We are energy. And the, the, the decay of our body does not mean that the energy is destroyed. Energy can't be destroyed. It just transforms into something else. So I don't think I have like a, this is what happens. This is it. I just know that yeah, we just transform. Yeah, cool. I I believe that as well. So really, we end by just a way to recommend things. So you've mentioned a lot of great books, but books, music, podcasts, food, TV show, movies, anything that you want to let out and share right now. So yeah, definitely the people that I said. So Kate Northrup, Danielle Laporte, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Wayne Dyer. I feel like the wonderful thing is even if you started with some of those people, they all reference other people so it will literally get you down a rabbit hole of like amazing stuff. But I'm always looking for people who encourage me to tap into my own inner wisdom. Because again, that's that's the thing with self-development books. It's like, we shouldn't have any an industry, right? Because you ha- you have one book and that's it. 
So it's like less about constantly looking for the next podcast. And I get it a lot with my community. Like, what podcast should I listen to? What this should I do? It's like, sometimes again, that's just part of the buffering. We feel like we need more information. So I really like those few people like that, like a Wayne Dyer, who it's more about being the guide to help me ask myself some questions <laughs> that tap into my inner wisdom rather than it being, here's another guide, here's another thing, which I think a lot of you know books and resources in this space do, which yeah. is a terrible answer. <laughs> but I firmly believe that. So those are some of the people that I love that really help me to do that and I think would help anybody listening to do that without it being something else to prescribe or something else to add to your to-do list that you're not doing. Yeah, for sure. What about music or movies or TV shows? Anything that you've been like all-time favorites or things that you have been consuming recently? So I, it's so funny, people, you're all going to laugh because I go from like deeply spiritual, like business and all of that kind of stuff. When I go into like personal time, it just becomes like so, uh, so trashy. I love, I'm like everybody else. Like I love a good series. I love crime dramas. Like I love narcos. Like I literally go into like a rabbit hole of all of that kind of stuff. The other day, um, I love, <laughs> I love things like I would just watch Love is Blind. We just watched that Don't F with Cats, that series on Netflix, which was like, oh my God, if you haven't watched it already, definitely go and watch it. So I love things like that. That's either like completely like ridiculous that we're just like, what the hell? Or it's like so all-encompassing that it enables, it just like engulfs me. Because again, oftentimes when I'll be watching TV, it's like, you know, you're scrolling, you're on the phone. I love those things. Like a narcos, like you have to just pay attention. Like the the storyline is so compelling. You're not going to be doing other things. So it's either like completely like mindless housewives or (laughs) it's like (laughs) super intense like documentary, all-encompassing, Ozark, that type of vibe. Love that. We always talk about body image a little bit on this show. Have you ever struggled with body image? And if you have, when when you are, what has helped you pivot? So I definitely um, struggled with body image growing up. I'm South African and our body types are typically, especially where I'm from, very small and petite on the top and then like very big hips big bum big thighs and I was growing up in London like that wasn't the body shape and then I was working in fashion that wasn't the body shape so for the lion's share of my life I was always trying to manipulate my body manipulate my image to conform to what everyone was telling me was beautiful and what was the thing it was really only until I, from being completely honest, had my son that it just changed everything. I was just like, and the other day, like I was wearing a dress, a summer dress outside and I was saying to my mom on the phone, I was like, it makes me so sad that the me pre-Atlas would never have felt that I was worthy enough to wear this dress. I was always like, I have to wear a midi. I don't want my legs out. I don't want my this. Again, because I was always like, that is not quite this enough. Again, it's just like projection of what I thought it needed to be. Having carried him, I'm like, my body, I just like had a whole new level of respect 
for this body of mine in a, and it just makes me and I think back of it now just makes me so sad that I denied myself the opportunity to just be me and just like if I want to wear that I wear that and like not caring what other people think or if this is the thing and like distorting myself to try and fit somebody else's whatever yeah just becoming a mom has really just enabled me to be connected in my own skin and also just change my relationship with movement and exercise before it was that movement had to be for a purpose it had to be like why would I do this exercise when for the same amount of time I could burn x amount of calories it was always like it had to be a purpose now it's like it's more about it being about my mental health like like being able to ground myself in my body feel my body and having that energy I want to be running around after my kids for years to come and I want to model I want to be an example for them so I've and then also being in Simi's world she's taught me so much about letting go of perfection letting go of like strangling things and like holding on too tightly and trying to manipulate and having strict rules and doing all of that kind of stuff. And again, this is all like moving targets and work in progress, but I've never felt as comfortable as I am now. I've never felt as like connected to my body as I do right now. I've never had a healthier relationship with exercise and movement as I have right now. Mm, I love that so much. It's so good to hear. So the name of this podcast, as you know, is Let It Out. Did you let out everything that you wanted to? Is there anything that you never get to talk about that you wish that you could let out? Did I squeeze you for all your juice? You, I have to say, Katie, this has been one of like, if not the best podcast episode I've ever done. (laughs) So So often I feel like I'm talking about the same things or it's like there's never an opportunity to go beneath the surface. And like you went there from the beginning and it's so great when you're on the other end of an interview where you really are pushed to really reflect. And it's, you know, it's no, it's testament to how amazing your podcast has been and how it's grown. It's just that you just have this knack of, yeah, just asking thought provoking questions and doing your research and really understanding someone so that you can cut some of that fluff out and really go to the meat and potatoes. This has just been like so life-giving for me. So I just want to thank you. Oh my God, that's so nice to hear. You have no idea. You really have no idea. Thank you so much for doing this. It was my honor. And to hear you say that just means more than you know. (laughs) So thank you so much. Oh, we end with a deep breath. I I almost forgot. So you ready? (laughs) Yes, I'm ready. Okay, inhale. Let it out. (sighs) Okay, that was my episode with Naomi. I really hope that you follow her and keep in touch with her because she is just clearly a gem of a person. And I'm so grateful that I got to have this conversation. If you would like to be part of Creative Underdogs, I would love to have you. The link is in the show notes. Everything that you need really is in the show notes. I'm constantly looking for the best things to eat to, you know, maintain feeling my best. And I'm really happy that I found Orgain. It's been a real 
positive, you know, game changer, I'll say. Orgain has all kinds of products to fit your active lifestyle. They have nutrition shakes, protein powders, meal powders, bars. They even have almond milk. Orgain products are food-based and full of organic vitamins and minerals that taste delicious and provide maximum nutrition. I've been using their protein powder and I gave it to my old roommates and they really love it too. And he's a runner and he puts it in his like shakes and smoothies and seems to work well for him too. So I think you would really like it. I love the taste of it and I've noticed that it digests really well for me, which is a big plus. And Orgain promises to never use any unnecessary fillers like artificial ingredients, preservatives, or GMOs. And they're all about good, clean ingredients in their products. And plus, Orgain ships right to your door. So you can even set up getting reoccurring deliveries to your favorite products, all delivered for free. Thank you so much, Orgain. I finally found the best products to help keep me healthy and maximize my nutrition. And right now you can save 20% off your first order. Plus when you subscribe, you can save even more. So to try Orgain, go to tryorgain.com slash let it out. That's T-R-Y o-r-g-a-i-n.com slash let it out for 20% off your first order plus extra savings when you subscribe try orgain.com slash let it out i'm so grateful that you're here the emoji for this week's episode is the lightning bolt that's my favorite emoji and just kind of the one I, I want to share right now. I'm sure I've used that one before, but if you're still listening all the way to the end right now, please comment that on Naomi's Instagram and my Instagram to let us know you're listening all the way to the end and share this episode with anyone you think would benefit from it or be entertained by it or like it. And I will speak to you next week with a fresh episode with my friend Angie Choi. I'm so excited for you to hear it. It's all about moving and feng shui and it was a really cool, weird, fun conversation with Angie. And I cannot wait for you to hear it. All right. Talk to you then. Bye.